0: I'm Kai Wright, and these are The Stakes. In this episode, rich, lesbian, soccer mom chic.
1: I'm Kristen Tomlinson. I'm 21. I'm a Pisces, and I like long walks on the beach. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, and my gender is gender fluid. So what what does that mean? (laughs) Mostly like, you know, I can be anything. I can be a boy or a girl or things that are in between. Or, you know, vastly out of the realm of the binary. My gender is fluid. It moves with the wind.
0: And is that an internal thing, like something that's going on inside you, or is it an external thing about what you present to the world?
1: A bit of both. I would have to say, like, really got solid around high school. That's when I knew the vocabulary. And there were hints around my whole childhood. Like, when I was little, I had this stuffed animal. Hmm. I named them mittens, and, like, maybe in elementary school, I never remembered their gender. So I just referred to them as, like, a boy or a girl or whatever the day struck me, whenever I remember that. Right. And it's like, you have these feelings before. It's just, until you find it, you don't know what it really is.
0: Kristen is a radio rookie. That's a program working with the stakes in which young people make documentaries about stuff they care about. And she's been reporting on something I'm thinking about a lot as well. This June is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion, which a lot of people consider the unofficial launch of the modern LGBT liberation movement. It started when cops raided a gay bar here in New York's Greenwich Village. It's a place called the Stonewall Inn.
2: Just to get into the Stonewall, you'd walk up and you'd knock on the front door. The Stonewall, like all gay bars at that time, were painted
0: black. It was a fight over space, like literal space. A group of transgender people in the bar and some queer kids in the park across the street, they faced the cops and decided, you know what, no, we claim this spot. Here, in this bar, on this street corner, we make our stand. Here, we are no longer deviants.
3: There was always the gay bastions on the drag queens. by bye heterosexual men, women, and the police.
0: By the time I was coming out in the mid-90s, our community's demand for space had broadened significantly. We were not gonna be considered deviants anywhere in society, and we weren't gonna hide. On the contrary, we made ourselves as visible as possible. I am gay, I am lesbian, I am transgender. See me, make space, because I'm not going away. We declared our existence with so many names that we needed a sprawling acronym to hold them all. L-G-B-T-Q-I, it could go on. And that's where I come from. My liberation is tied to my self-identification. I gladly check a box because it means you have to deal with me. But now, along comes this generation of LGBTQI folks who don't really wanna check any of the boxes. And honestly, I don't totally get how that works, not in this political moment in which so many of our labels are under attack. But I do know it's yet another way our community is challenging the toxic idea of what is normal. So I want to understand. And Kristen offered to help.
1: All right. So I think a good place to start is with my two best friends. Hi. Hi. My name is Ruby. Um, my name is Faith. So my friends and I are hanging out in Ruby's room. It has an organized desk with the complete set of Harry Potter books and Snape's wand resting on top of them. A space that's obviously inhabited by a nerdy twenty-one-year-old. When I, like when I see like comfort androge kind of just like basic. Comfort, like fine honey lesbians, right? Like Kristen Stewart has it all. Like you guys saw that picture of her. Yeah, we we saw that because you sent it to us last hey! night. <laughs> yeah. Ruby and I met in high school. All right, so first question, basically, don't look at my questions. Your oh. secrets. You. So, what is gender to you? <sighs> oh, wow. Feel free to talk over each other like you normally would too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gender, to me, is a system that I use to, I don't know, regulate, like, my mood sometimes. Um, I identify as gender fluid. I feel like it holds a lot of power over my life and the things I do, because I like it, to. It's like structure for me sometimes. Ruby, Faith, and I connected over being sad, self-deprecating lesbians and facing rough things at home. We're over this idea of a fixed, unchanging identity. I feel neutral. There's no reason to identify any specific way for me because it it just just doesn't hold authority. Like, I could say I identify as, like, you know, a a fucking ghost. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just going to have to take my word for it because it's what I say. So at the end of the day... So
0: did you guys start questioning your gender together, like as a group, or did it come from something earlier?
1: For me, it was earlier. Like, growing up, I would watch cartoons with characters where you couldn't tell their genders, and I got really attached to them. Like, there was this show called Cold Lyoko, and there was a character named Odd.
4: You all got superpowers telekinesis, super sprint, triplicate. Me, I've got
1: silch. And he wore purple crop tops. <laughs> I think, because of all of that, that I knew I was queer in middle school, and then in high school, the internet gave me a place to explore my gender identity. Kind of like forming a person through puzzle pieces. I'd go on Tumblr, and then I'd follow tags and read fan theories about band members being together, and that led to threads about why my favorite TV show characters should be in same-sex relationships. Mm. From there, I might stumble onto blogs about iconic 90s lesbians. Wait until the last moment to record this diary. So, who's a lesbian from the '80s or '90s? Let me Google this. '90s les lesbian lesbian '90s lesbian Melissa Earth Earthridge releases lesbian anthem. Come to my window. Uh, Dyke Punk. What is this?
5: not know how you don't know Oh
1: this song okay yeah no I totally know this song. <laughs> vaguely it's not like a bop for me per se but like yeah this hits.
0: Wait, you really don't know who Melissa Etheridge is?
1: Listen, high school was my heyday of music listening, and that was mostly just emo bands.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she wasn't my thing either, musically, but you have to understand, when she came out, she was one of the first openly gay musicians that still had commercial success. And as a consequence, she showed a lot of young women that that was actually possible, you know, just to be a lesbian.
1: That must've been hard for some women to only have a white rock star to look up to. Now I can look up to someone like Janelle Monae. She's a pansexual black woman and a fashion icon. (laughs) But even beyond celebrities, with Instagram, I can follow whoever I want. Like pretty black girls with acne scars, amateur models from Japan, and gay YouTubers. Basically your average icons of gender fluid fashion. Okay,
3: parallel universe. I found you.
0: Fashion and style has always been a way for people to say, no, you can't tell me who I am. I'm gonna show you who I am. And
3: I, I wear and multiple them. rings and my mm-hmm. fingernails are painted. And I'm not wearing my more flammable...
1: The internet is where you can craft a version of yourself and you figure out who you want to become. For me, I was born and looked like a black girl. I'm five foot seven. Most days I wear black lipstick and Doc Martens and never smile. Some days, I want to look cute, showy, and sweet, and other days I'll feel comfortable, like I just want to wear dark clothes and sweatpants, and on another day, a button-down shirt. It's never tied to a binary feeling.
3: Hey, welcome to Fluid.
1: In Lower Manhattan, there's a clothing store without a male or female section. It's called the Fluid Project. There's jean crop tops, platform filas, and asymmetrical shirts. Even the mannequins are gender-neutral. No C-cup boobs or weird bulging crotches. Okay, hold on, okay. So just walk up to him? I walk in the store and see this gorgeous person with a soft, androgynous face, browsing black shirts in the sportswear section. Can I get your name and age, please?
2: Beehawk Snipes, and my age is 30 and fabulous.
1: Okay. Beehawk walked the runway on the TV show Pose last year. I didn't think an actor-model mogul would talk to me. Um, how would you like describe your style?
2: At this time, I'm going for rich, lesbian, soccer mom chic. Mm-hmm. I think that's my aesthetic right now. So, yeah, that's my look at the march. A
1: rich lesbian mom. soccer mom dressed in all black. By the way, that's the perfect Instagram bio.
2: I call humans kind of like Pokemon. We're all changing and evolving every day. Like, I just came out as non-binary last year, yeah. um, which kind of blew my mind. Because I was like, I'm just gay. I don't know. You know, an androgynous gay person. When I was on Pose, um, representing um, as a female figure... And it was the first time people started to hit me up. It was like, oh my god, you know, I'm non-binary, or I'm gender non-conforming, and I I love your character, and I love the role you're playing. And I was just like, I think this is more than a character for me. I think this is really who I am. It took me a minute, because even using they, them pronouns, it's kind of triggering, (laughs) because I'm like
1: six months in. Um,
2: So, I mean, that's always,
1: always. For me, the pronoun they doesn't work too awkward. Z seems so new and weird. I like she the most, but if I just use she, it feels like people wouldn't recognize that I'm non-binary. He is complicated for me because of how I grew up, as a black little girl around creepy uncles and family friends, I feel like a masculine identity means people might see me as a predator. But when it comes to family, it's really hard to have a gender that is neither
3: male nor female. <laughs> Hi, can you tell me your name and age? For real. My name is Brinica Banks. 27 years old. And can you tell me our relationship? You're my annoying little sister.
1: Bernica is one of the hey, few family members that I'm out to as gender fluid. Why do you seem a little annoyed right now?
3: Because you have a microphone in my damn face.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you refer to me as a boy. So I want to ask
3: why is that? First of all, I started saying that because you be referring to yourself as a boy. I don't really see you as a boy. It's more of a... Dang, should I not call you that anymore? It's perfectly fine. Okay, okay. I feel like, because you refer to yourself as that, so I probably should have asked you if I was being more emotionally considerate, but it's always in a joking way, and I'm very aware of all your femininities, so I am aware that you're not a boy. Sometimes I do feel like a boy, so whenever you call me that, it actually makes me really happy. So I won't make a habit of it, but yes, I'm glad to hear that if I do say that, you wouldn't be offended.
1: I don't need my sister to assure me I'm feminine. I just like that she's aware of how I see myself. Bernika sees gender as a fixed thing. Feminine people have to act soft and delicate and masculine people have to be brash. Would you say sometimes I dress or act masculine or like more boyish?
3: Dress like... ooh. Now after this, like since this interview, I don't know. Now I'm thinking it's not so much about the clothes. It's about that person's how they view themselves, how they perceive themselves.
1: I really like that thought process and where you went right now. That
3: yeah. I I'm not gonna say it. I would have necessarily said that before this interview, but you're like got my mind now thinking. Hmm. That's all I want. That's all I want. Um,
1: last thing. Do you think there's anything else you would like to tell me? I
3: love you, Kristen.
0: Listening to your sisters, you know, it just feels like you have a really wonderful and open relationship with her. Yeah. And is that true for the rest of your
3: family?
1: No. I mean, I'm not really in contact with, like, my extended family. But with my mom, no, we don't really have that much of an open relationship to talk about things. You know, we've been through a lot of struggles with just— You know, she's a Christian Jamaican woman Hmm. in like old traditional values. So there was a lot of fear from me when I was younger to even like bring up any parts of my sexuality or gender. She's so overworked and I just don't want to bring up any uncomfortable conversations that can hurt either of us. Right. But one night, me, my sister and my mom, we got to talking about her beliefs use us as an example of what we went through our family yes
5: me especially me.
1: And- we were talking about how we went through hard times and how we were living in a shelter and god he-
5: uh, it, nobody else help us but god to provide this roof over our head mm-hmm.
1: you understand? so she's super religious and that's complicated for me because i've always heard stories about jamaicans being really traditional about family in general
5: growing up as a little girl growing up in jamaica Like, I remember there was this guy from our church, Mm -hmm. and he used to act feminine, and he used to do his hand, and, you know, and people used to call him Lady Spencer. You know, as a young girl, I knew, knew, we all knew he was gay. But nobody stoned him, but now it's different, because now they will kill you.
1: And when I hear something like this, it puts a fear in me. I know I have a privilege of appearing as a cis-feminine woman, but when I hear about this Jamaican culture that my mom comes from, it's still scary to me.
0: Yeah. So does that mean, are you out to her?
1: No. I mean, the last thing she knew was that I was a bisexual girl, but no, she doesn't know anything about me being non-binary now. No parent
5: have... A child, I want to hear the child say, okay, I was born a man, but I'm really a woman. You, you want not expect them to be you, straight. Yeah, you but, well, don't, but you I'm don't really straight. expect, but you want to know, that okay, that my daughter is going to have a husband. People looking forward to grandchildren.
1: That's part of why I haven't come out to her as gender fluid.
0: Right, so your family is complicated, and I'm wondering if you've ever sought out any mentorship around all of this. I mean... For my generation, we didn't have that option quite as much. But it feels like now there's so many out queer people of my age and older. I mean, Stonewall happened 50 years ago at this point. So have you ever been able to find someone older who can help you figure this out?
1: No, not at all. But I wanted to meet people. I wanted to connect with queer people through this story. Mm. And that's what I did. And I met this older black lesbian in Harlem who was wearing red leather pants. (laughs) Okay,
0: well, that's after the break.
1: Um, could I ask, like, your
4: sexuality? I'm lesbian. Okay.
1: See, this is the first time I've ever talked to, like, an older black lesbian before. Like, I've always been around straight adults my whole life, so... I don't know, this is, like, really giddy for me. <laughs> so I, wanna I met Paulette when I went to SAGE, a place in Harlem for older LGBTQ people to meet and mingle. She's the epitome of all struggle stories that you read about in your life. You know, you have to be in the closet, you have to pretend to be straight. I mean, Paulette told me she got pregnant at 17, and later she got married in her 20s.
4: It was hard beyond belief. I had to bury who I was... On her wedding day, she felt horribly sick. To live that life, to live a straight life, without understanding that you don't have to, it's a feeling like this, something's not right. It's no balance. I'm out of sorts. To describe it, this is how I describe my life. I was in, you know, a manhole going into the ground. I was in that ground with the heaviest and the darkest manhole cover covering my head and I couldn't breathe. It was horrible, it was horrible. It um, hurts my soul that I did that. I came to understand it was a trade-off. Would I do it again? Never, never.
0: So Kristen, listening to that, I wonder Do you get what Paulette's talking about there? Queer people, as a community, we have really fought for the space we have now, both personally and collectively. And a lot of people have claimed these labels for themselves at a very real cost. I mean, it took bravery for Paulette to say, I am a lesbian. So when we then hear people say, nah, I'm I'm past this labeling thing, It's hard for us to hear it because we fought so hard for those labels and everything that goes with them. And our ability to embrace them has been a big part of our freedom.
1: I get that, but I haven't had that experience. I didn't need a coming out. It's like I dusted myself off. Like I unlocked a new level in a video game or I collected enough loot boxes to discover a legendary character. Paulette knows a
4: few of the terms.
1: She's been active in the youth community.
4: So we've had to educate ourselves. We've got all these colors and banners and... Mm-hmm. All the pride flags. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just know the rainbow colors. Yeah.
1: So for transgender, pink is for the female part, blue is for the male part, and then white actually symbolizes non-binary, which falls under me, So because I identify as um, non-binary or gender fluid.
4: So what's the point of so much different terminologies and verbiage to say basically the same thing?
1: I think it's just preference at the end of the day. Honestly, I don't know. I used to identify as bisexual, but when I heard pansexual, it just felt
4: better to me because bi uses, like, bi. It's two. But, Mm -hmm. like... Many. Mm -hmm. Because, see, in my mind, this is a very good topic for intergenerational conversations. It's, It's important that each generation has a language they can identify with. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, was butch femme. Um, bisexual was just nasty. Sorry, but that's how it was. Like considered. promiscuous. Uh, yeah, it was just nasty. And you're straight. That was it. You need to have your language to identify with your needs. And what they did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago doesn't. Mm-hmm. So there's another issue of if you don't have that language, how do you communicate? So to have a conversation with someone of your age opens our eyes and our ears to understanding that, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it's not our world to make sense, you know, and it's all good. So thank you.
1: I like that way of looking at things because it's like, I might not understand you, but I still respect that
4: what you're going through is valid. Mm -hmm. As we're talking, I'm understanding a lot more myself about the pan. pan What do you call pan? Pansexual. Pansexual. I think that's the difference with our age. Is like for me, I like cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. I don't want to judge. So I accept what people say, but I like cut and dry, black and white, in that respect, because I have many, many colors. Mm-hmm. I don't think black and white, but as far as language goes, I need to understand where you're coming from.
1: Okay, so maybe I don't have cut-and-dry answers, but queerness is just an essential part of my identity as a black, gay, 21-year-old. And maybe I won't always be pansexual and gender-fluid. I'm still figuring out dating and all of that. So this period is a necessary stepping stone to what I don't know. There are days when I wish my gender was like Mr. Potato Head. Like... I wish my chest was just an accessory I could velcro off and by doing so I wouldn't get rid of my femininity either. Being gender fluid is the perfect way for those two binaries to meet and form something new.
0: I am so here for something new, mixing and remixing ourselves to find what truly fits, that is As long as we understand the difference between individual freedom of expression and the collective liberation of LGBT people, how we describe and style ourselves and our day-to-day lives, that is not the same thing as the identity we claim and carry into the world. The latter is a deeply political act. It's about picking a side in the culture war over who gets to be, quote, normal in our society and who gets banished to the margins as a deviant. 50 years after Stonewall, that war is very much ongoing. Even as I record this, transgender people are about to lose civil rights protections they've had in healthcare settings, just as one example. So I worry a great deal about the end of boxes and labels as political tools for protecting the space we've made for ourselves so far. But also, I hear Paulette. People now have a whole lot more options for finding and defining themselves, or choosing not to do so at all, And that is unquestionably good. Because the labels we've tried to wrap around our individual expressions of sexuality and gender, they have always felt awkward. These things are just not one size fits all. So here's to more couture choices. That, after all, is exactly the freedom we have spent all these decades trying to create. Stakes is a production of WNYC Studios and the newsroom of WNYC. This episode was reported by Kristen Tomlinson and produced by Jonna McCone. It was edited by Kari Pitkin. Karen Filman is our executive producer. Casey Means is our technical director. Jim Schachter is vice president for news at WNYC. And the Stakes team also includes... Amanda Aronchik. Christopher Johnson. Jessica Miller. Christopher Wirth. And Marilyn Williams. With help from... Hannes Brown. And Michelle Harris and Karen Perlman. You can join the team by signing up for our newsletter at thestakespodcast.org. And you can hit me up on Twitter at Kai underscore Wright. A special thanks to the Media Burn Archive and Dave Isay, the founder of StoryCorps, for the archival tape reflecting on Stonewall. To hear more of StoryCorps' work, subscribe to the StoryCorps podcast. This season, they're sharing the stories of LGBTQ people across America, those who lived before Stonewall and those whose lives have been shaped by it. Thanks for listening.
1: Radio Rookies is supported in part by the Margaret Newbart Foundation and the Pinkerton Foundation.